spiritual sweat series where we're talking about seven disciplines to get our not just our bodies in shape during this new year but our spirits in shape and today's topic is a topic that like I said everyone here has heard of today's topic but the danger of today's topic is the more that you've heard of it actually the more concerned I am about you because with this particular topic everyone has an idea but my fear is that our idea is very man-made and very human influenced and we need to fix that here today we're going to talk about here today is the topic of service but before I talk about that I want to tell you a story that took place 2,000 years ago it was the night before our Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross and the night before he died on the cross and he knew he was going to die the most difficult and brutal death imaginable and of course even making it worse was the fact that he was completely innocent and de 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 didn't deserve to die in any way 
The night before he died, he gathered his disciples together in a room. And I always say that this night that Jesus gathered his disciples together was probably the hardest night of Jesus' life. Because you know how the test isn't as hard as the night before the test. The preparing for the test. And this night, before Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen to him on the following day, he gathered his disciples together in a room. Private meal, private gathering. And it would be his last time with them on this earth. They didn't fully understand it, but they knew something was up because Jesus was acting kind of weird. He didn't want anyone else at this meal except them. He gathers them together in this private room. And in one fell swoop, in one moment, in one instant, he changed their entire way of thinking about what it means to be a follower of his and a disciple of his. And he only used one item. He used a towel. And by grabbing hold of a towel and getting a bucket of water, he completely changed their mindset and told them that all the other stuff that I taught you about being a follower of mine and a disciple of mine, watch me right now, and I'm going to show you what it really means. Of course, you all know the story that I'm talking about, but let's get a little context on the story. What happens is that Jesus and his disciples, like I said, are headed to this meal together. On the way, as they're journeying to the place, the disciples are having a conversation amongst themselves. What's the conversation about? About which one of us is the greatest. Your typical conversation that disciples of Christ should have, right? After all that he's taught them about humility and about loving one another, they're on their way to the Last Supper, and their discussion is, who is the greatest amongst us? Now, the more and more I think about this, I think human nature, I think it's not so... Difficult to understand how they got into this conversation. I bet you they weren't actually caring so much about who was going to be greatest. I think they were much more concerned about who was going to be least. Because human nature, the way we are, is we understand that we probably won't be the greatest and we're okay with not being the greatest. We just don't want to be the last. And I bet you the way this started was they were discussing something on the road. And you know how guys are when guys start to discuss and we start to joke around, and maybe someone said something offensive, okay, and someone said something, this one took exception, and this one responded back and said, well, yeah, well, let's see what happens when you're washing my feet later today. Because, you know, washing the feet was like the lowest of the low. So someone threw it out there and said that when you're washing my feet today, and someone threw out that one of us has to be the lowest. And, of course, that made everyone start to discuss who's going to be the greatest. But like I said, the real concern was not who's the greatest. The real concern was... I ain't washing anyone's feet because I'm not the worst. That guy's much worse than me. You should see what he did. And I don't mind being in the middle of the pack, but I ain't going to be at the bottom of the pack. They get to the dinner. Custom what the time was that someone had to wash the feet. They used to walk around, you know, with sandals and in the dirt. So the custom was, just like if you invite me to your house now before dinner, I would go to, my, to the bathroom and I'd wash my hands. Well, the way it was back then, they ate like... This is actually a very good picture of how they ate, like at a very low table, like on the floor, kind of sitting around. So you'd want the feet to be taken care of before the meal took place. And they knew someone's going to have to wash the feet, but there's a problem. There's no one else in the house other than the 12 of us and Jesus. We're pretty sure he's not going to be washing the feet because he's the master. So who's going to do it? And that's how the discussion started. And they're sitting there, and you can imagine how they're sitting there. And they're sitting there, and they know that at some point in time, Jesus is going to start the agenda of the day, and he's going to ask someone to wash the feet. And he, as the master, is going to say, well, there's no servants here, so Peter, do you mind? Or James, do you mind? Or John, do you mind? 
So what they're doing is they're sitting around and each one is pretending like they don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And everyone's thinking like, oh, don't make eye contact with Jesus. Don't look at him. Because they don't want to be asked to wash the feet. And then, like I said, in one instant, Jesus blew their minds away. As they are sitting there saying, there's no way I'm washing that guy's feet. And there's no way you're going to look at all these people and put me at the bottom. Jesus, Bible says, picked up a towel and blew their minds away. John 13, verse 4 and 5. Jesus rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. I often wonder why no one jumped when he did that. Why no one jumped? Like Peter eventually says something, but not so much later. Why no one jumped? You know why? Shock, exactly. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Like we're sitting here bickering and fighting and say, I ain't doing that. And there's no way I'm doing that. And maybe I'll wash Jesus' feet, but I ain't washing your stinky feet. And all of a sudden, Jesus, without saying a word, got up, picked up a towel, got on his hands and knees and started washing the disciples' feet. And then not only did he do that, and they're being blown away by what he just did, then he really blew them away a couple of verses later. It says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Today we're going to talk about the discipline of service. And the discipline of service is a dangerous topic to talk about because all of us know just enough about service to be dangerous and to be harmful and to inflict harm on our own souls, but more importantly, to inflict harm on the souls of others with our unbiblical way of thinking about it and our Pharisee-like way of thinking about it. And that's why this topic is very important for every one of us to listen to today. First, before we get into the topic, I have a confession to make. I have a confession to make. I hate the word servant. I hate it because servant is this. And if you're a normal person, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you have been part of the church for a while and you're a churchy person, then let me be the first one to tell you probably what you have in your mind about servant is incorrect. If you're not a churchy person, you're the most normal one here in the room. More power to you. We should all be like you. But if you are a churchy person, you have this idea of what it means to be a servant. And it's like this. Look at me. I have a big tattoo on my forehead that says, I'm a servant. I go to special meetings. I know special handshakes that nobody else knows. I get special privileges because I am the greatest servant ever. What made you the greatest servant? Oh, I go and I tell uh, some kids the story of Noah and the ark. So I'm the greatest servant ever because I can tell the story of Noah and the ark. If you'll notice, there's a lot of things that I do which you may think are random, but they're not. They're deliberate. You've never heard me use the word servant here in this church. We've been here eight months now, seven months. You've never heard me use the word servant, and very rarely do I use the word service because I don't like that word. I, the term that I used is we have teams of people, volunteer teams, and we encourage everyone to volunteer on a team. I think that's much more descriptive because service, the problem with the word service, which I'll get into in a little bit, volunteer fits exactly what you're doing. You're volunteering, but don't think because you're volunteering that you're fulfilling all the duty of being a servant. 
and service in this category. And also, by the same token, don't think that if you are, if that guy is not on a volunteer team, then he's a worthless person because he's not serving in the same way that you are. We need to change our way of thinking about this word. There are no servants here. Well, there are no servants, and everyone's a servant. Because service is a virtue. It's like love. I don't say, okay, you guys, you're the lovers of the church. You go, and you are the church love people. You guys love. And you guys, I want to encourage you, take this class so that one day you can love as well. Love everyone, love. Like everyone, love. Everyone be kind. Everyone give. It's not like these are the givers, these are the non-givers. It's not like that. It's not like these are the kind people, these are the unkind people. Everyone should be kind. Everyone should give. Everyone should love. Everyone should serve. Everyone. It's not about doing a service as much as it's about being a servant. Your service may manifest itself in volunteer work, but like I said, it is not the defining factor of what makes you a servant. What makes you a servant, and I'm going to change the word servant in a little bit to a better word that I like, but I'll get you the Bible from. So I'm just stick, like the only time you can hear me use the word servant is from now till about six minutes from now. All right. What makes you a servant has much less to do with the hour that you volunteer on Sundays or on Wednesdays or whatever. Has much more to do with how you, how, how you behave in public settings. How you treat one another in the coffee line, in the parking lot, or on the street. It's how, it's how you are at the Super Bowl party later today when there's one chicken wing left and you won't really want that chicken wing. Service is a mindset. And it's a mindset that we'll see in a little bit that affects every aspect of your life. It affects you when you're sitting in traffic. It affects you when you're at work and waiting at the water cooler. It affects every aspect of your life. Don't water it down to say, I am fulfilling this command that Jesus said at, at, the, at the Last Supper, washing the feet, because I do this one tiny little thing. We hate this word servant. We are not going to use this word servant. We're going to use a better word. Here's the word that we're going to use. I'm going to give you a sentence. It's going to be a big sentence. Write it, and then I'll break it down for you. Service is something that I do because a slave is something that I am. See, I just upped the ante on you. I went from servant to slave. First, I convinced you that you hate the word servant, and then I gave you slave. Service is something I do because a slave is something that I am. Give me a little time. I know that, that slave, and uh, I'm no way am I advocating slavery and all that bad stuff that goes with slavery. Give me an open mindset right now and let me convince you that the best thing for you to do in life for your own sake is to walk out of this room and say, I am a slave. And not a forced slave, but a voluntary slave. Let me give, you, give me some time to try to convince you of that. You see, when it comes to the words slave, servant, service, Everything that Jesus teaches us is directly opposed to everything that the world teaches us. The world teaches us that there's a pecking order to things, right? Everything has a hierarchy, a pecking order. And it doesn't take long when I'm in any setting, maybe it's just me, but I don't think it's just me, that you quickly identify what's the pecking order in this setting. Who's in charge? Oh, yeah, that guy's in charge. See the way he dressed? See the way he walked in? That's the guy in charge. Oh, that one? Uh, that one talks a lot, but they're... Especially at work, right? You walk into the meeting, you know who's in charge of that meeting. 
and you can tell, and a lot of us, we want to be that guy in charge. And we're sitting there on the middle of the desk, in the middle of the conference table, but we know one day I'm going to be at the end. And we know exactly how I'm going to get to that end seat. And we know a pecking order always exists. Well, Jesus came to us and said, I have a different idea of how this pecking order thing should work and who's greatest and who's least. Mark chapter 10, he said some revolutionary words. You know, verse 42 to 45, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. This is corporate America. This is the world outside. Those who are rulers are rulers. What makes them rulers? That I tell you and you go. And I tell you and you sit there. And I tell you, you better have this done by Monday. You better have it done by Monday. Rulers and authority is by who can control and manipulate the most people. That's the way it is outside. But he said, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. It shall not be so. That is not how I'm defining greatness. And that is not how I'm defining authority. Whereas, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wants to sit at the head of the conference table, be your servant. And then he goes further. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I've been struggling with this verse, and I'll share a little bit later, even more personally. I've been struggling with this verse for almost 12 years. Because this passage was the passage that was read when I was ordained as a priest. And I was given this job title and this job description. And this was a passage. This is why I always remember it. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And I've been struggling with what this means and how to live this out. And I by no means am I accomplishing it. But hopefully together we can discuss what we need to do to get there. Because what Jesus said right here very clearly is that greatness is not in a title. It's not in a position. Greatness is by being slave of all. Let me ask you a question. Is there a difference between serving and being a servant? Is there a difference between serving, choosing to serve, versus being a servant? Absolutely. Is there a difference between me driving you to the airport versus being your driver? Oh, there's a big difference. I'm certainly happy to drive you to the airport. I will not be your driver. I'm certainly happy to cook a meal for you. Meaning ask my wife to cook a meal for you, okay? But I will not be your cook. Jesus didn't ask us to do nice things of service to one another. That's our mentality. Do services. Jesus said, no, don't do services. Be a slave. There's a big difference. Doing a service implies, okay, here I am. There's a job. I'm trying to be a nice guy. I choose that I will do it for this person. And this person, I will choose, and I will do that for them. I'm in control. I choose. A slave mentality is completely different. A slave doesn't think about, hmm, should I mow the lawn today for the master? I don't know. Should I get him dinner? Ah, let him get his own dinner today. Hey, and then we say, yo, Mr. Master, today is your lucky day. I'm making you dinner. I'm a slave, but you know what? I'm going to be nice. Today I'm going to do my job. Slave doesn't have that. A slave, and especially if anyone, if you study the psychology of those who are enslaved to any people, slavery affects every aspect of your life. And even if you are a slave and you are not in a slavery like situation right now, your mindset is one of, I'm a slave. 
and I'll always be a slave. And that's what Jesus is telling us to put in our minds. Now you sit there and say, hold on, where does all this slavery business come from? Isn't Jesus all about love and happy-go-lucky and like be nice? Like why all of a sudden slave, 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 slave? Like it doesn't paint the nicest image. Like I said, when Jesus commands us to, slave, to be a slave of all, there's a difference between a forced slave and a free will slave, or the other expression that I'll use is a love slave. Do y'all know what a love slave is? I know it sounds like it's a bad word, but it's not a bad word, okay? It's not a bad word at all. It's actually a very good word, all right? And get your minds out of the gutter if that's what you're thinking, okay? A love slave, okay, go back to the Old Testament. Back in the Old Testament, God allowed people to have servants or slaves, but the way that God designed it was that they would serve for a six-year period, then in the seventh year, they'd have the right to go free. So remember the story of Jacob with Leah and Rachel? Okay, same concept. You work for six, seventh year you go free. However, that servant or that slave had an option. In the seventh year, he had an option if he so chose. Talks about in Exodus chapter 21, verse 5. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear within all, and he shall serve him forever. A love slave was someone who served his six-year duty, and the master said, okay, you can go free. And he started to go free and say, you know what? I love my master. My master's the best. He took care of me like no other person took care of me. And if I get to be in his house for the rest of my life, man, that's the best thing for me and my wife and my kids. I want to go back. And they said, are you sure you want to go back? They said, yes. And if you're sure you go back, they take you and they pierce your ear, and then you are a slave forever. I say that, and I can see it inside you. That doesn't sit well with us, does it? Why would anyone choose that? What, is he crazy? Is he the dumbest person in the world? Come on, man. Go out there and make it on your own. Live the American dream. Go out and make your own slaves. Like, get a house. You know what I mean? Like, pick yourself up by the bootstraps, man. Get yourself promoted. Open up your own business. Why are you working for the man? You could be the man. That's our mentality. And I'm totally, like, I'm not saying anything about your, your career. Like, it is very good to be ambitious in your career. I'm not having nothing to do with that. But in a spiritual context, the best thing that could ever happen to you is you find the best master ever. And you say, I'm his for life. And when you have that, that's when service kicks in. That's what a mentality and a lifestyle of service is. Not doing a service because I want to be one of the people who goes to this meeting. Or I want to be able to say that I did this. Not doing a service. Being a slave. All right. Some of you, you're okay with that. Some of you, it doesn't sit well at all. Say like, no, can't, can't do this slavery thing. All right, well, let's, let's, let's go back and see. Jesus commanded us to be slaves. Jesus, do you practice what you preach? Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Look what St. Paul says about Jesus. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset that Jesus had. Okay, what was Jesus' mindset? Who being in the form of God, 
did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Bondservant, the same word that slave. It's the word doulos, which I'll talk about later. Making, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. Who's the one who started this free will slavery thing? Who's the first one that said, even though I don't have to, I could be free. I am son of God, son of man. But I choose to be a slave. Jesus. Slave to who? Father. He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus had every right to say, you know what? I don't want to save those people. I don't want to die like that. Too hard. Why should I die like that? Make them die. Why should I die? Why should I suffer? Why should I be born in a manger? Why am I born in a hospital? <laughs> There's no hospital. I'm Jesus. I can make a hospital. Why should I? Jesus had every right to do that. And no one would argue. Jesus said, I gladly, free will, love, I'll be a servant. I'll be a slave. And St. Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in him. It says, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Confusing sentence. What that means is, take Godhead, divinity, as like, here. Here's his divinity. Here's his Godhead. And he had every right to say, I'm God. By my nature, I'm God. But he was willing to let go of it. He didn't consider that this was a robbery. That this was like, robbery meaning like, I'll trade that and I'll take on this humanity. You know why, Jesus? You have every right to hold on to that. He said, I know, but I choose. I'm a slave. I'm not going to hold on to my divinity. I'm not going to say, no, I'm God. People have to treat me this way. People have to respect me. I'm willing to let go of that and I'll accept this. Why? Because I'm a slave. A slave doesn't make choices. You know who's the opposite of that? Lucifer. What did Lucifer do when he was an angel up in heaven? Living the good life. Comfortable. Riding on a cloud. And he was doing all kinds of services. Because angels, they always minister to God. So he was doing this and doing this and doing this. And doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Maybe he's heard what I just said. <laughs> That's okay. We're not afraid of him or no, nothing like that. It's okay. Lucifer, okay? <laughs> that guy, okay, was up there, and he was living the good life, and he had it all going for him, and he's doing services. But then he said, you know what? I want that. And God said, no, no, that's not for you. No, I want that. I want that. Because he wanted that, he had to go all the way out to that. Because he wanted to grasp it. Jesus was the opposite. I'll let go of that. That's fine. My fear is that a lot of us don't take this the wrong way. Don't be offended. Our servant mentality, our service mentality is, I do that, and I do that, I deserve that. That's no different than Lucifer. That's no different than what the devil did. I did this, I did this, I deserve that. That's exactly what he did. Jesus said, I let go of it, and I make myself a slave. The word slave, like I said, that word bondservant, is the Greek word doulos. And the cool thing about that word doulos is it means, literally, I'll read you the literal definition. It means like slave, but then it goes on and says, one completely devoted to the will of another, to the disregard of one's own interests. Let me say that again, that's nice. One completely devoted to the will of another, to the disregard of one's own interests. That's who we are. That's where service comes from. 
is someone realize that I am completely devoted to this. I'm not doing a service. I'm a slave here, and whatever happens after that happens to that. And if God says, go be nice to that guy, I'm not doing it to say, look at me. I'm a servant. I'm a slave. And my master said, go be nice. My master said, go uh, encourage. My master said, go share. My master pointed me in all these different directions. Service now becomes an outpouring of an inner truth or an inner belief, not an act that we do and choose to do. Practically, because I know this is a tough concept, practically. I'm going to give you now seven like comparisons between the right mentality and the wrong mentality about being like, between being choosing to serve versus being a slave let's go through these seven and see if it, if it becomes clear number one someone who's choosing to serve looks at others someone who is a slave looks only at god someone who's choosing to serve looks at others and says Hmm, what can I do to serve here? You know what? That one could use a visit. I'm going to go visit that one. And let's see. Um, you know what? They need help over there in that coffee line. I'm going to go do that. And how could I? That's someone who is choosing to serve. Not bad. I'm not saying that's bad. But one who's a slave doesn't see any of that. One who's a slave sees only God. And then he walks in this line, and he sees this person in front of him, and he sees God inside this person. And he sees his master inside there, and the master's saying, talk to me. Be friendly to me. So he does. He doesn't plan nothing. He didn't have a strategy. And then he goes over here, and he sees someone in need. And the master says, give this person some money. And you say, well, we're supposed to give money to every homeless person in the world we see. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when the master's in front of you, and there's some times that I believe that God doesn't call us to give money to every guy, but sometimes God does call us to give money to that guy. So he calls you there, so you do it. A slave isn't making a distinction. And isn't planning and isn't strategizing. A slave is just living life. And what comes out, comes out. Number two, someone who's choosing to serve sees service in terms of size. Versus someone who's a slave doesn't see big, doesn't see small. Sees everything as equal size. In fact, someone who's really a slave can't even comprehend the difference between a small service and a big service. That's our human way of thinking where we associate significance with prominence. Oh, the guy standing on the stage. He's the one. He's doing the big stuff. The girl cleaning the trash can? That's the worst. That's the worst. When you start to see a difference between services, that's the worst. In fact, I will go the next step, and I will say that true love is much easier to be seen in small things than big things. Would you agree or disagree? You call me up. Say, Father Anthony, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Car just blew out. Tire on the beltway, and I'm like standing in the middle of traffic. Cars are whizzing by me at 100 miles an hour. I need help. Man, if you're the worst, my worst enemy in the world, like, you'd have to be a real jerk to not go help that person. Versus, hey, what are you doing today? Uh, and you can tell that the person is just kind of lonely, just kind of wants to hang out, but it's not a big deal. I'm saying going and hanging out with that person is a much greater sign of love than picking up that guy from the middle of the street. Would you agree or disagree with me? Anyone could come up here, stand up, read a few things off the notes, and everyone claps for him and says he's the best. That, that's not hard. The hard part is the people who come 
who set this stuff up, who take the stuff down. The hard stuff is the people who are serving in ways that they, you don't see it because they themselves don't even see it. But they are just a natural outpouring of their love for God. Don't you all, every one of us knows that there's certain people out there who are willing to, they're just very loving and servant-hearted by nature. And you love hanging out with these people because they never make you feel guilty. They never make you feel like, uh, okay, I'll spend time with you. Or, uh, okay, I'll help you move. Those are the kind of people that we want to be. I read something nice. It was talking about big service versus little service. It was talking about sugar versus salt. Sugar is more flashy. People like sugar. And sugar can spice up stuff and do big stuff. But salt may not get as much credit, but it's in almost everything that you eat. This big service, that's great. That's fantastic. Do your big service once, twice, three times a year. But live this life where everything that you do is seasoned with salt. Number three, service. Choosing to serve requires external rewards versus someone who is a slave doesn't have any, doesn't even see a need for a reward. I love these people. You know that there's certain people, again, that you ask them to help with something and they don't make you feel like they just bent over backwards, but they refuse to even accept a thank you because they don't even understand why are you thanking me. And you try to appreciate them, and they don't even want to be appreciated because they don't even see a reason why. This is the slave mentality that we need to have. I'm not saying we shouldn't appreciate one another. So if you are now a person who people are doing a service for you, you should definitely appreciate it. But I'm saying if you are the one doing the service, you should not be doing it for the sake of appreciation. Does that make, it, does that make sense? So I'm not saying that we shouldn't appreciate one another. No, we should. But we shouldn't be doing stuff. We shouldn't be doing a service and then waiting for the judges to hold up the flashcard. 10, 10, 10, you're the best. We should be doing it out of a heart that knows that it's a slave. This is why one of the things that keeps me grounded that I like to do is every couple years I like to go take a mission trip to Africa. Because Africa, I feel like, obviously a lot of the service that I do, there's like my prominent, like it's very prominent, okay, and very visible. That stuff is actually very dangerous. Because if all you do is prominent service and you don't have hidden service, it makes you a shallow person. Depth is added when you're serving and no one sees you. That's when true spiritual depth comes in. And that's for me why I try to go to Africa every couple years, go to a place, there ain't no video cameras. There isn't anyone walking around to follow me. There isn't anyone who's clapping for me. Anyone even knows my name. But that's where, like, depth in service comes. Number four, I'll go through these a little bit quicker here, is that someone who's choosing to serve chooses who to serve versus someone who's a slave is slave of all. Some people look, and this can be on both sides, like some people would want to serve prominent people. Oh, there's a rich person, there's a famous person, there's a friend person. And some people do it on the opposite side. No, I want to serve the poor. No, I only want to serve that group. I'm saying a slave of all doesn't say poor, rich, doesn't have that mentality. Yes, he may focus on different like, aspects, but I'm saying a slave, he's walking around, and everywhere he goes, like his slaveness is everywhere, and it's seen in every word that he has, in front of a rich person, in front of a poor person, in front of a friend, in front of an enemy. Jesus washed the disciples, washed the feet of who? Of Peter, of John, of Judas. 
He washed the feet of Judas just like he washed the other one's feet, right? A slave doesn't make a distinction. Another thing a slave doesn't make a distinction is when to serve. He's a servant, or I'm sorry, a slave for life. Now let me say this carefully. Yes, there are periods of time in your life where you may say, I do not, I do not want to be part of this volunteered opportunity, or I can't do this specific service, but there's no such thing as, well, no, 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 now I need to focus on myself. What's focus on myself mean? What does that mean? Can a slave come and say to the master, thank you, I need to focus on myself now. Excuse me? What does that mean? True service, being a slave, like I said in the beginning, looks at God, doesn't look at others. So when others are not acting well, or when they are acting well, when others are kind and friendly and encouraged, it makes no difference. It's always looking straight to God. Number six, someone who chooses to serve sees a job that I do. Someone who is a slave knows it's a life that I live. Some people will laugh at me when I say this. True service. There's no such thing as on duty, off duty. Some people laugh because those who know me well, sometimes people talk to me about like being a priest and my priesthood. And I have a different opinion than probably every other priest in the world and I'm probably wrong. But this is how I think. I see the priesthood not as my service. I see it as my job. And some people, especially the ultra, ultra Coptic people, are <laughs> <laughs> how dare you say that? Just stick with me. It's my job. It's a job that I do. I put on a uniform. I do a job. And why I say this is because the discussion that we have is that I believe there's times that I take the uniform off and I'm off duty. And that's where people really want to like throw stuff at me. No, the priest is on duty at all times and it's something forever and ever and ever and 24 hours a day and all this stuff. Look here, man. As a slave, I am on duty 24 hours a day, just like you are. But my duties as a priest has specific times. Like Sundays I have, but I have off days. I have times where I'm just a dad. I have times, like I had last week, where I was the, the, the coach of my kid's team. Because the other coach was out of town. We won 27-15 when daddy was coaching, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Only win of the season. Only win of the season, all right? I'm not saying anything, but <laughs> I'm saying at that moment in time, I'm a coach. I'm a dad. I'm a father. I'm a priest. Like, yes, there are times where I'm off duty. But as a, as a slave, no, there's no off duty. But that's not because I'm a priest. That's with you just like it is with me. Some people say, no, priests can't take a break. Devil doesn't take a break. I always respond and say, why do I want to be like him? <laughs> Since when is he a role model? Of what? I don't understand it. Anyway, point is, slave. Slave is not a job, serve is not a job I do. Okay, yes, my priesthood is a job that I do. But my slave is a life that I live at all times. And then the last one. And I believe this to be true, and I hope you will agree with me. That choosing to serve leads to division. It's not neutral. It divides a congregation, a church, a body. It's division. Slave builds authentic community, which you know is a word that I talk about a lot of time. Why? Why does having the wrong mentality about service, not only it's not good, but it's detrimental. 
And if you have this mentality, you are detrimental to the body of Christ. You know why? Because it's all about you. And as much as it's all about you, you're not going to fit in the body of Christ. Because the body of Christ is just like that. It's a body. But there's only one head. And the head is not me. Don't think I'm saying it's not about you, it's about me. That's not what I'm saying. There's only one head. Just like there can only be one coach, there can only be one quarterback, there can only be one head. And if you coming in here as a little mini head, you causing problems with the big head. True slaveness. You agree with me or disagree with me on this? You're going to agree with me. It's contagious. It's contagious. It's a spirit which I can't put my finger on, but I know I can put my finger on the person who's got it. I can't tell you what it is about this person, but I can tell you when I'm around that person, I'm a much kinder person. I'm a much more helpful person. I'm a much more sacrificing person. And when I'm around that person, I'm the exact opposite. It's the spirit is contagious. And how are we going to have this mentality in the body of Christ? One person at a time. We're going to light this fire one at a time. And when you see me as slave, then you are going to be slave. And then I'm going to be trying to wash your feet. You're going to say, no, no, I'm going to wash your feet. And not in a fake, fake humility way. Not in like a, yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Not in that kind of way. Like, yeah, you take the seat. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, I insist. Not in that kind of a way. In a real kind of a way. Where we genuinely do seek to serve one another and wash one another's feet. That's my prayer for our church. Is that easy? Is that easy? I'd say it's about impossible. Wouldn't you agree? But hey, there's a cute verse in the Bible that says, with God, nothing is impossible. There's an even cooler verse in the Bible. Not cute, I meant cool. Okay. Even cooler verse in the Bible that says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. So I believe it is impossible. But hey, impossible never stopped God before, right? Impossible never stopped him before. And I believe that impossible is not going to stop him here right now. I'm going to give you another confession. Another confession. Remember how I told you all as we've gone through these virtues and these disciplines that, hey, trust me on this one, I'm kind of good at this one. I'll be honest with you, I'm bad at this one. This is probably my weakest one. And you say, no, you're great as a servant. I say, I am very good at doing services outside, but y'all don't know what's going on on the inside. And I'd say this is actually where I'm very weak. But God is working and God is helping and I'll tell you, for me, the key, for me, that helps me. The key to being a slave is knowing who I am and knowing who he is. What does that mean? John 13. We started reading before from verse 4. But verse 3 is very important. So verse 4 is where he started to wash the feet. Here's verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself, and the story goes on to wash the feet. Jesus knowing who he was, what God had given him, where he was going. Why is that critical to be a true life of a slave? Mindset of a slave. Why? Believe me. Believe me on this one. A life of service has nothing to do with duty and obligation. 
In fact, it has everything to do with a life of freedom. A life of service is not a life of duty and obligation. It is a life of freedom. Freedom how? Freedom that I am free from the world's pecking order and being a slave to that pecking order. Freedom from having to prove myself and say, no, I can't do that. People got to respect me. Freedom from having to think in a very worldly, devising, scheming kind of a way to make myself feel this. Once I know who I am and what God has given me and put into my hands and where I'm going, it becomes a whole lot easier. In fact, it's not just easy, it's freeing to be able to say, you know what? You may look at me as the foot washer. I don't care. Because I know where the foot washer is going to sit at the end of this story. I know where the foot washer is going to sit. I don't even see you. I don't see you thanking me. I don't see you cursing me. I don't even see you. Because I just see that one. Him saying, you want to sit here? Go wash someone's feet. And I see him washing my feet. Service is about being free from the world's way of thinking about prestige. Do you want that freedom in life? Do you want that freedom in life? Freedom from, like I said, the world's way of hierarchy, ranking, self-esteem, status. That way that the world does it, which you can never, ever, ever reach anything. Because as soon as you get here, there's 10 people here. Then you climb, and then there's 10 people right here. And no matter where you go, you can never catch up. You want freedom from that? Life of service. Discipline of service. Say to yourself, like St. Paul said, that I am a doulos of Christ. That's what Jesus said as well. I am the doulos, the bondservant, the slave of the Father, and it's his will, not my will. You have a homework assignment this week. You have two homework assignments. Homework assignment number one, on your handout, I printed the prayer of a slave or the prayer of a doulos. I want you to pray that prayer. If you don't want to pray that prayer, I'm not saying that those words are magical words. I want you to pray a prayer of a slave. If you're new to prayer, okay, and this is a new concept to you, I gave you some words right there to help you get started. The second thing I want you to do this week is I want you to do one thing which no one in the entire universe sees except God and you. Do one thing, one act of service which no one in the world sees except you and God. My prayer for this discipline is that we can begin to take steps and we can begin to take steps. I drew a big target there where all of us are slave. And all of us have this mentality. That ain't easy. That's going to take time. But my hope, my prayer this week is that we pray and we say, God, you know I stink at this. But God, help me. And then God will open your eyes to see opportunities to do something for a loved one, for a stranger, for someone here in the body of Christ, for your friendly neighborhood priest. That's fine too. Do one thing this week, which no one sees except you and God. All right, guys, let's stand up for a prayer now.
the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for the example that you gave us today of what it means to be a true servant, a true slave. Pray, Lord, that you would put that mind which was in you, put that mind in all of us, and let us live not for ourselves and our own agendas and our own plans, but give us a true heart of a slave. Give us to truly seek out one another's well-being before our own. We know, Lord, this sounds like an impossible task, but Lord, you do impossible things all the time. Just the fact that we're standing here today, you brought some of us here today, that it's impossible, and, 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 and what it is that brought us here, Lord, sometimes we don't know what it is except you. So we know, Lord, that you will do this work inside of us. Make our church a church of real love, of real service. Not a people choosing to do services, but true people truly living the mindset of slaves. Make our families have that same mindset. Make our friendships have that same mindset, Lord. Fill us with that mind which was in you so that we can truly live that life that you called us to live. Lord, bless each and every single person that's here and let them leave with a different mindset than they came, even if it's just a little bit. We ask this in the name of your Son, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have a fantastic week, guys, and I will see you all back next Sunday.